0: Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC Chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello,
1: fellow ATVers. I'm Leticia Nago, the 2021 Vice President of Learning for the Metro DC
0: Chapter of ATV. And I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie Hubka, the Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, our Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing fellow ATD's Greater Boston Chapter board member and Director of Programs, Dr. Justin Harris. He is a perspective shifter, learning experience engineer, reframer, storyteller, and foster dad. Welcome, Justin. Hi. Before we jump into our topic of andragogy versus pedagogy and how effective techniques with both age groups can inform how we work with the other, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners.
2: I have a PhD in developmental psychology. Um, I studied how little kids learned uh, spatial thinking and how that might be related to concept development. But then in my work after that, I've done informal science education, and I ended up doing a bunch of adult training uh, for our educators and uh, multiple different kinds of educators. Um, now I'm currently at a company called Empath Studios, and I'm doing the same kind of thing. I'm working with young learners as far as our program delivery, but I'm also responsible uh, for the training of our educators. So I get to work with both, you know, full-on adults and also really, really. Uh, young learners.
1: Wow, that's both impressive and interesting. Let's get into it a little bit further. First, um, Dr. Harris, can I call you Justin?
2: Oh, yes, please.
1: (laughs) Great, thank you. You have authored several publications. How has that experience shaped your thought process when it comes to working in professional corporations?
2: Well, if, if you haven't ever submitted something for publication, uh, you have not fully experienced rejection. Um, <laughs> it really gives you an interesting perspective on trying to communicate your point, And it helps open you up to the idea that however clear you thought you were being, if the person on the other side doesn't understand what you're saying, you really haven't done your job. Uh, So I think it's, it's really helped inform me in my communication in the corporate setting on, you know, taking a step back when somebody is not getting my point and going, what have I done instead of why are they not understanding me?
1: Wow. This makes so much sense. It's really about how the person is receiving the information rather than our delivery of it. A reminder to our talent development community here, from your perspective, How would you define both the andragogy and the pedagogy methods of teaching?
2: Yeah, so I actually don't think that these two things are different. Um, I know that it's a big thing if you're job hunting. um, Knowing adult learning theory is on so many of these, Um, but adult learning theory really isn't any different than what we know is effective for child education too. I think that the origin of the term was from when we were just trying to pour knowledge into kids' heads. And we thought that we could lecture and do that uh, and that it would be fine. And we really know now that that's not the case, that kids also need context to make their learning meaningful. Um, and that's particularly important if you're trying to advance equity in education. A lot of our more luxury style things really only work effectively in so much as they work effectively at all with kids from the dominant culture and kids who are marginalized in any sort of way don't respond to that. And the solution has been to embed it into context to do more of a project based learning approach, uh, which is exactly what we know we're supposed to do with adult learners is we have to give them the opportunity to learn on the job. It's just a little bit different in creating some relevant projects for kids because they're not already doing some work that you can embed the learning into.
1: Wow. I mean, that's really a key for us to understand that we're more similar than different. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, I think that's exactly right. I know so, so many people who teach young children think that with adult learners, they'll they'll be patient. You can just tell them the information and you'll get it out quickly and it's fine. You don't need to do anything to engage them. They'll go along with you because they're grownups. And then people who do training, they think, oh, well, kids are socialized to do this. They'll sit in school and you don't have to give them meaningful context. You don't have to engage them. They're just going to be focused on their grades and on learning. And with adult learners, It's so different because you really have to make it meaningful and you have to get them on board. And it's really just best practices for learning and supporting learning are best practices for supporting learning.
1: Right, right. Would you say that the fact that adult learners have a lot of experience is one of those things that they want to bring to the table when it comes to learning?
2: Yeah, but I think that it's a mistake to think that kids don't have a lot of experience. Kids just have different experience. Um, If you think about an infant, um, infants are the most amazing learners in the world because they have no instruction. They're just there. They're in the midst of things and they extract language from it. They learn how to walk, even though their bones are physically not built to do that until they start walking. Um, they're, they're sorting out so many strange things and making huge achievements, um, in what they're able to accomplish. And that's, that's a ton of experience that they're getting right then and there. Um, then as you get older, you're only building more and more. And one of the things that was really interesting in my dissertation research was I was looking at uh, how people understand force of motion events, uh, which is kind of one of these really difficult things in intro physics in college. And even at five and a half, at the age that students are entering school, most of them were already starting to develop the misconceptions that adults are laboring under. And it it starts early. That experience is not to be discounted, I think.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, Justine, can you share with our talent development community, what are some you would say effective techniques that both types can leverage.
2: That's a great question. I think one of the things, uh, as I mentioned before, is just making it meaningful. Always try to find some way to ground it in a practical application uh, where they're able to work on some project, and that can be a project that they've created as part of the class, if it's a younger kid, or um, you know, in some sort of training environment, or it can be their job. That's still a very concrete applicable project that they can be working on. Um, Ask questions. Don't just talk like I'm doing. Um, It's really important to get them thinking about it and to do it really, really quickly. Uh, I think that's one thing that you can take from working with children um, or at least working in an informal learning environment like a museum is don't wait to start asking questions. You can do a little bit of an intro, but if it's 90 seconds into the learning experience and you haven't done anything to activate their prior knowledge and to get them thinking, uh, it's going to be a failure. It's going to be really, really hard to get them on board.
1: It's very helpful. What would you say would be some takeaways for someone who is used to working in a professional environment with adults and is now going into the education system working more with children and younger individuals?
2: And first and foremost, don't discount the experience that you have. These are, these are little professionals. They're working on their own work, and you're now in their work environment. Um, and that experience is really, really relevant. Uh, don't think that, and I, I don't think anyone making that leap would do this, but don't think that they're not going to need the same kind of rich, meaningful connection, leveraging their experiences, um, developing and supporting their intrinsic motivation. Uh, that the adult learners that you're used to working with needed, I think it make a little bit more room for joy. Our adult learners in training, it's sometimes really hard to get them to find and express any joy that they have in what they do. Uh, I think a lot of people end up getting disconnected from what drew them to work in the first place. Uh, but kids, you know, they're, they're so much it's so much easier for a kid to be able to tap into their joy and share it and express it about learning something new, about following a topic that's interesting to them, and really making sure that you have made time to let that happen and to be able to appreciate it. I think that's really what draws people to transition to working with kids from working with adults. Nice, nice.
1: And for the kinds of children who are not part of the dominant group, as you kind of stated earlier, does anything have to be a little bit done a little bit differently? Or do you apply the same kinds of techniques across the board?
2: Um, I think that somebody who's used to working with adult learners is way better situated to work with kids from marginalized populations. Mm -hmm. You can take all of those techniques that you've been using to get an adult learner on and follow that to engage these kids that might be struggling for other reasons um, because of the way that the instruction is built, because of the way that the school is working, you are going to be way more used to navigating some of those issues that they're um, struggling with and being creative about the kinds of assignments that you give them. And I think one of the like, very common examples is working on a community garden. And taking the kids out to go do that and learning how to care for the plants, learning how to structure things. And you're getting into engineering and into biology um, and helping their community and all of those kinds of things that you have to figure out to make that successful are the same things you have to figure out when you're trying to embed learning into a person's job.
1: I know you have a wealth of information and your background is super interesting and very valuable when it comes to this topic. Is there anything else that you can share with our talent development community to make sure that they are successful in working in either environment?
2: So one thing I always recommend that people do is if you're thinking about presenting anything, if it's for you know, a conference because you're doing training, because you're teaching something to kids is just think about who you would like to be talking to and work from there. Uh, I I did a bunch of professional development with scientists on how to communicate science to the public. And some of them feel really great about going to science fairs and talking to kids at the Cambridge Science Festival. And some of them feel really confident talking to their lab group or going to a, a conference and presenting to their peers. And if you start from the population that you feel comfortable with, where you feel like you know how to do it and know how to engage them, making small changes and adapting it to the group that you are less comfortable with is going to be a much easier transition. And so I think just always, if you want to work with another group, start with where you're most confident, and then start making small changes as you're there with that group to adapt to their specific needs. But don't get overwhelmed. They're really not that different.
1: Well, wow, these are great practical tips. Thank you.
0: So a quick question for you, Justin, well, maybe not quick, who knows. Uh, so a couple of things. I love that you mentioned make room for joy, because I like to do that for adults too, just because mm-hmm. oftentimes people are missing out on that joy. So in particular, uh, okay, two questions here. First, how do you bring joy for adults making that space? Because they need it, right? And then yep. two, how do you create this type of um, space for people in the virtual environment?
2: Oh, those are both really good questions. I, so I love talking about joy. I think it's super important to have some fun. One of the things that always really helps me is to think about the way that Maslow defines the opposite of playfulness. So playfulness is one of his being values, and there's there's all sorts of things that you could criticize him for, but I love the way he describes the opposite of playfulness, and it's humorlessness. Yeah. If you want to get people to be playful, to be joyful, it's not seriousness, it's seriousness to the point that you can't laugh about anything, the point that you have to feel Uh, that you might be embarrassed or any of that. And when you can be less serious, it creates that room to have joy, to be a little playful. I think just challenging people to have fun is really something that they don't have. They don't know that that's okay. And if you can have a little bit of fun in what you're doing, it gives them permission to start doing that too. Uh, what was, The other question was about how to do it virtually.
0: Yeah. Tips for virtual for both types of groups.
2: Um, I think if you're doing things virtually, you just need to lean into that uh, a little bit more, really, is, you know, everyone, everyone's been working and we're all burned out from being on Zoom. And that's <laughs> going to be true if it's in school, uh, if it's for Um, an ATD meeting, if it's for training, we're all getting a ton of time online and that can be really tough. And so taking a break at the beginning and just, you know, not jumping right into work, letting there be a little bit of socializing or taking a break in the middle. I mean, I've never heard of anybody doing something with kids where there wasn't a play break, a movement break. And we certainly can bring that into anything virtual and anything with adults. Sometimes it's great to just get up and move or talk about what you're excited to learn about that day.
0: I love that. Adults need recess too.
2: Yes. 100%. (laughs) And naps. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) And snacks and all of that stuff. I love it. (laughs) Ladies, anything else you want to jump in? Okay, Justin, it's that time. At the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest five rapid fire style questions. Sure. So each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? Yes. Yay. Okay. Give us one book that all professionals in our field must read and why.
2: You know, actually, I really like the ASTD handbook. I know that there's been a more updated one recently, but it has some amazing articles and it covers so many different things. I bookmarked many, many pages in that book.
0: (laughs) Oh, nice. Okay, so what's one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using?
2: My new job, we use Slack really heavily. I don't love everything about it, but I use it all the time because it's so quick to send people things. And in this virtual environment, it really smooths things along for having those kinds of casual conversations you can't have.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, we use that for the chapter as well as a communication tool. Okay, what is the best piece of talent development related advice you've ever been given? Oh, that
2: is a hard one. Um, you know, I think this actually comes not from talent, but from uh, my my time in grad school. My one of my advisors was a really, really gifted presenter. Um, she's absolutely amazing. Her name's Kathy Hirsch-Pasic. Talking to professional or general audiences, she is just really, really gifted. And one of the things that we always talked about was uh, forecasting what it was you're going to say. And giving away the conclusion at the beginning of a presentation makes it so much easier for people to know if they want to listen to you, to know how to pay attention and to focus their attention. I, I always find that really useful for doing anything talent development related. I tell people exactly what the punchline is before we do anything else.
0: Oh nice. That's the the Wiff'em. What's in it for me?
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: I love it. <laughs> okay, so what's one thing you're excited about coming up? in we'll say 2021-2022?
2: Seeing how people navigate returning to the office full-time and how they manage to hopefully continue to give grace and acceptance to people who are working remotely to continue to try to include them. I think we have a really amazing opportunity coming up and I hope that people have seen the benefits of doing it now that we've been doing it through COVID and continue on when some people are back in the office.
0: Ooh, perceptive. Yeah. Cause I noticed that was an issue before, mm-hmm. right? With remote teams feeling left out. And now I think people will be more, what is it? Empathic, empathetic.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully, I hope so. yeah.
0: I love that. Okay. So what is last one? Here we go. What is the one thing within our chapter or industry or just life that you're deeply grateful for right now?
2: Oh, the community. I have never been part of such an amazing community as when I got involved with ATD. Um, I, have, So many people are so helpful. They're so eager to share. They're so eager to learn, to try new things. Uh, I haven't met anybody I did not just love talking to uh, through ATD.
0: Oh, I love it. And I have to echo that because that's how we met.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) I was thinking about you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes, Justine, we're so happy that you joined us
1: today to share your knowledge and wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week.
1: Yes, we have to. And thank you to my co-host as well. Oh, this
0: has been fun.
1: This really has. I really appreciate the challenge to think about training in a very different way. And frankly, through the eyes of a group we don't often consider through kids. So I I just absolutely love this conversation. Thank you so much.
0: It brought us joy.
1: It really did. It (laughs) really did. (laughs) Thank you. Many thanks to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Helena? Membership in the Metro DC ATD provides you with multiple benefits to enhance your career. Not a member yet? What are you waiting for? Go to dcatd.org forward slash membership application to join our chapter today. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.